0: Hello and welcome to Screen Queens, the podcast that dazzles you with a deep discussion of drag in cinema. We are your dynamic duo of myself, Ru Jazzle and...
1: CJ Banks. Now from the perspective of two fabulous drag artists and our very special guests each week, we're taking a strut down Hollywood's history of drag portrayal to see what they got right. What they got wrong and all the glitter
0: in between. Yes 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 indeed we are two queens on a mission to watch and dissect every single movie that contains drag and in this episode we are looking at the 1996 film The Birdcage with our extra special guest Glasgow's multi-talented drag artist.
2: She's a singer, a cabaret star, a cosplayer and a youtuber. It's Lacey Rain, yes. Oh, thank you. No, sit sit down, sit down, sit down. Stop, stop.
1: It's only (laughs) me. Too much. too much.
2: How are you, Lacey?
1: How are you, Miss Lacey? I
2: I am good. I did drag for the first time um, in about two months yesterday. So uh, my skin is um, cooking internally.
1: (laughs) Reinvigorated. It's coming Mm. to life again. Just all of that. Good energies coming I, to the
2: surface. My favorite part was using a rusty razor. <laughs> <laughs> That's I a don't. real thing, though. Like, I think my skin had got accustomed
0: to doing drag so much that when I stopped mm-hmm. doing it as much, my skin has had been like I've had like spots. It's been dry. It's been horrible. I think my skin has just become used to the drag. So it's a it's a real
2: thing. Like seven glasses of water every every two hours, just to try and I don't know cheat death. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So let's dive right in. Uh, ha- so had you guys all seen this film before?
2: I had seen it um, years ago. It was always like this VHS tape in my parents house, but the cover of it looked so dull for me as a child. That I never picked it up. I was like, oh, no, I'm watching that. Um, and it wasn't until I had like heard about it from someone else, they were like, oh no, this is like some film about a drag bar. Um, and I was like, oh really? And then yeah, that was my first time seeing it. I think it must have been like in my 20s.
1: I, I definitely seen it with a lot of these films. I watch something once and then immediately forget everything about it. Um, I think I watched this a few years ago. Gary was very like, I want to watch this again very recently because Gary is compared to the Robin Williams character daily. Um, and yeah, but other than that, no, it's been a few few years since I've seen it. And you, Richie? So
0: this is like one of my parents' favorite films. I don't quite know why they love this film. It is. I love it. I think I saw it when I was very very young, and I think. I mean, we'll we'll go into chat about it, but I think it's one of my favorite drag films, if not one of my favorite films. I think it's hysterically funny. Yeah,
1: but. well, I
2: think that's it. I think for so many people, it doesn't even like register that this is like a drag film. It's just. It, because it's so funny and the cast is so strong in it that it is just like oh, there's that comedy film, The Birdcage.
1: Did your mom and dad watch it? Were really because they really identify with the senator and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> just Quite they're like, it feels good to be seen on screen. It feels good <laughs> to be represented.
0: <laughs> So before (laughs) before we dive into the plot, do you have any fun tidbits about production siege? That's always your job. I have
1: I have non-stop fun tidbits. So tidbit number one: This film obviously came out in 1996, but the original remake. Obviously, if you don't know and you're listening, um, the Birdcage is based on the the play, the musical, the many iterations of La Casual Fall. It's an originally French piece of work. Piece of work. Disgusting. It's originally like a French piece of art. um, uh, But this was originally set to be remade in the 80s, not in the 90s. And the original casting was with Frank Sinatra and Dudley Moore. And Frank Sinatra was signed on ready to do it. Like, I'm happy to play this. Which we've talked about this in a few other films, Rue, where we said, like, would people have been willing to take risks on their career and do it? I don't know if I could see Frank Sinatra being in the birdcage. No, I'm guessing he
0: was gonna be Armands though, not, not the Queen.
1: N- yes, but like even that, I don't and I don't know much about Frank Sinatra, but it doesn't fit.
2: Yeah. No, I don't think so, especially not in the eighties in the middle of like That's what <laughs> the it's epidemic. Yeah.
1: It's just that thing of like, I don't know who Dudley Moore is, but I'm googling him now. Um Dudley Moore, I still don't know who he is looking at his face. um But it's that thing of like Frank Sinatra being in a film like this. Like, I think in the 80s, if you were in a film like this, something like He's Gay and In the Closet would probably follow you the rest of your career,
2: mm, despite not it?
1: being gay at all.
2: There's like loads of examples. There's the guy that was in the Freddy film um, who unintentionally played two, like, gay coded characters in two hollywood blockbusters and never worked again essentially because he was typecast as gay and that was a weird topic for certain a certain period of
0: time. Even if it didn't like haunt the careers of the actors I just feel like if it was made like even 10 years before that I think it wouldn't have been as sensitive towards the gay characters as the as the nineties version is. Because I think it is quite a good portrayal in general. I mean, like it's funny how the nineties the is kind of the heyday of drag movies. I mean, this film follows quite closely after Priscilla and then Tu Wong Fu. So it's interesting that they all kind of there was there was definitely like a trend in the
1: nineties of drag movies for sure. You say trend, I say um sen- sexuality appropriation. However, <laughs> uh, the it was originally so obviously the translation of Lacazia Fall as the word cage, but there the the working title on the script of this film was Birds of a Feather. And I actually think I prefer that. Mm. I know I know that it's like a direct translation, but I think Birds of a Feather has a a gayer Birds. sounding you know Well you know the, what I mean?
2: The well the direct translation is the cage of crazy or the cage of the cage of mad women. I yeah. Think. That's what it actually um, means, yeah.
1: Exactly,
2: Birds of a Feather, same thing. <laughs> um, and I think, um, from, I looked it up, and I think also fall is a, a slur that can be used, um, either affectionately or not so affectionately to describe um, a homosexual man. Um, A.K.A. a mad woman. <laughs> a mad woman!
1: <laughs> um, and then, so like, a little bit more, in ca- oh, casting of this original thing, originally casted, Steve Martin was going to play armand and robin williams was cast as albert wow Um, which i I can see steve martin playing armand easily that works Uh Um, but when steve martin had to drop out due to other filming requirements and things robin williams asked the director can i swap and play the other role because he was sick of playing flamboyant characters and he wanted to do something more serious which i respect despite Ron Williams being the best flamboyant actor on God screen air, without a doubt. I think
2: he, w- I think, well, this is coming off the back of like Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I have, I was like watching old interviews. I think I forgot how insane he is like he's like a tammy brown final evolution The when he talks he just like he's jumps from character to character he was just like oh i Yiddish and speaking in Spanish and just like all this i mean some of it's a bit like you know dated and um <laughs> of its time <laughs> well, sensitive <you> know, <laughs> yeah but um he does he just flies through voices and characters 100 miles an hour unprompted and, and you
1: relate with that strongly
2: Oh, completely. <laughs> I wouldn't say I suffer from ADHD. I think I thrive. Um, <laughs> but
1: uh, I, I think...
2: It's, it's, so it's, it's So it's almost strange seeing him in roles that are a little bit more reserved. And, and it's like that's actually... It kind of feels like he's facing the opposite challenge that other actors would face, where they have to kind of rise to create some mental persona. Um, whereas... I feel like he has to really just reel it back.
1: He, you know, that he must have been watching the other ones like riff on being crazy and just been like seething inside, being like, "I can do that better than you," and I'm not allowed to. Um, <gasps> the the only other casting things I have, it is wild to think this film was released before Nathan Lane came out of the closet. What?
0: Really? He had
1: he had not come out as gay. During the filming, production, or release of this film, wasn't until after that he went. Just I know people are still confused. I am officially coming out of the closet. Um, that is crazy to think about. I guess it got, was I've never. Got,
0: it was never really in question, though, was it? Let's face it.
1: He's been like, yeah, all the ladies, they love me. They they can't stop. They can't get enough of Mr. Lane.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what there is that kind of thing in culture like you know that song mr sandman where they like refer to Liberace as being like nice and handsome and long wavy hair like i've just i don't know women misunders- misreading men who take care of themselves and are like kind and funny as being oh wow the perfect man um that kind of crops true. up and like i see it when like when people are saying things like metrosexual or What's the Mm. recent one? Sapiosexual? Sapiosexual? Something like that. I've never heard of that. Oh my god. I I think,
0: yeah, I think it's just that kind of old school approach where in like straight culture, people just, there was a complete erasure of anything not straight and they just kind of didn't think it existed. So they just just assumed that everyone was straight to like varying degrees.
1: but... But Nathan Lane is not in question. There's like, is he gay? Is he straight? Is he Nathan Lane? That's yeah. next step up. I think the thing
2: is as well, is this is his big break for the most part. I think this is his yes. biggest film to date.
1: Um, it's his so first, he... it's his debut movie. from. Like he's known on Broadway by this point, but this is basically his breakout role. on a Yeah, movie. I mean, he'd
0: done like small parts. Like he was in The Lion King, which was two years prior to that, as um, Timon.
1: Yeah, but that's a voice acting. We don't count that, honey. You don't want <laughs> to go voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> um, until
2: it comes to one of the other casting options.
1: <laughs> well, um, I have a quick quiz question for you. So this, um, this was the highest weekend opening uh, box office with an openly gay lead. It held that record until 2009. What film replaced this as the highest grossing weekend with an, opening, with an, with an openly gay lead? Um,
2: <laughs> I'm thinking of John Travolta here Hairspray, but that's not right. <laughs> you're, you're thinking along the wrong lines. Think
1: absurdist comedy.
0: I'm not sure, actually. It's a comedy film that beats it.
1: I've, I, I've never seen it, so I can't say that it's a comedy film, but knowing who the lead actor, who is also a straight man playing gay, and the title of the film is his character's name. I don't know bruno is the correct answer. oh my god man.
2: wow <laughs> which
1: i've never seen bruno because absolutely no um, oh my god <laughs> that, that that eclipsed this as the highest taking for an openly lead gay character with grossing weekend earnings wow um, you're probably gonna see bruno eventually
2: when you run out of drag films to do <laughs> <God>. <laughs> je refuse
1: none so the other things i couldn't the mother-in-law i I don't know her name, uh, the senator's voice. I love I was her. Like, Are you going to say it? I was going to say Edward's, Edward man says, 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 yeah, I love her. So she's good. a lady. <laughs> you hear the voice and you're like, I know that voice. And it's like, we're going to try a lavender foundation. That's all you hear. Um, and also, Callista Flockhart, so she's the daughter. She's playing an 18-year-old in this film. How old is she in real life Well, she's filming this? About 25. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is 30 years old Jesus and now he's she's,
0: um, she's Ally McBeal in like
2: a yeah years later. I loved
0: Ally McBeal not- but,
2: oh Ally McBeal is great but I think it like contributed to any misogynistic like views I had on women <laughs> growing up it's very like dated and the women are very like weird it? anyway they're all like um, on the verge of a mental breakdown anyway
1: I, I don't even know what Ally McBeal is so I'm gonna move on mm-hmm. Um, I have one point and then a really nice thing I want to touch on and then a discussion. Um, three of the songs included in this film are Sondheim musical theatre songs that were rejected or reinterpreted for this so that's really nice for any musical theatre people out there. The one that I really want to touch on which I think we always talk about like did the director or the researcher whoever it was do their research on on drag culture of the time Um so Mike Nichols is the director. And before this production of this film started, he sent out uh, a guy called Rick McKay, and this guy made a feature-length documentary about drag queens. And he visited London, Paris, San Francisco, and Atlanta. Wow. And with this documentary that was made, that is what was used to like train Nathan Lane and Robin Williams during production. So a lot of the character building that they got to do was based on like actual drag documented across the uk europe and us which i love fantastic really cool. you do your research um Definitely. and then the last point is uh, one that i just want to hear your thoughts on which is hank azaria who obviously plays the latino maid uh, openly faggy and yes i can say that word um, and <laughs> despite being a straight man and being from I think it's Greek origin you said yeah I think so I I, I can't see a lot of people kicking up a fuss about his portrayal at the time but I know that if we look at it through our 2020 retrospective lens yes there's there's problematic things about that portrayal what do you guys think about how he played the character
2: I don't think you look at it well if you don't know his background as um his eth- ethnic background. I think both times I watched it, I didn't really, I, I just took it for what it was. I just think I was like, oh, that's Little Man because it is very like nuanced and, you know, I, while there is like caricature and campish elements, I do feel like it's still respectful. Um,
1: I, I I think so as well. He, one of the things about like, the, the most obvious thing you point to in his portrayal is the voice. And mm. he has stated in a lot of interviews that his voice, he was like, two or three weeks into filming he was like I'm speaking like my grandmother like it's nothing to do with he, he didn't even realize it but the voice that he's putting on is something that he'd grown up with it was the voice of his grandmother so I guess that it's he's not going out there and being like how can I sound as gay as possible he's thinking like what can I do with my own voice that I know that makes me this character that you're to believe in to buy into
0: I mean, I guess, let's face it, I think it's of the time and that throughout history, you, until recently, you have you have people who are not of the ethnicity that they are portraying play that character. It's, it's just part of Hollywood. I think we're moving past that now and there's more like questions of that. Um, as a gay person, am I offended by the character? No, it's not a serious character. He's there for comedy and he made me laugh. I'm not offended by that. Obviously, I'm not Latin, so I can't comment from that perspective, but... I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that character. I think
2: it's it's a it's a small side character that's there for the for the jokes. And I think he it also like contributes because there's not just there's so many gay characters in the film as opposed yes. to just this one random voice that some writer somewhere has been like this is the gay, you know. So True. you just see such a you see a variation of representation. That's exactly um, the
1: word and I think it was praised because it's like some people would look at that one character and be like oh that's a gay stereotype but right beside him you have Robin Williams playing a gay character who's completely opposite, shows depth of character, shows sides which we don't traditionally see in gay representation so there's a case to be made that like as comic relief yes that's fine he does what he needs to do. I also think him and Robin Williams are two of the seminal straight playing gay as comedy characters like I laugh at everything done by both of them in this film. Nathan Lane, you know, too gay for me, but um, the other two, fantastic.
2: <laughs> no, definitely, I think, and I think Robin Williams has been just so kind of like queer-coded throughout all his like stuff that he's done in Hollywood. Um, yeah. That it's it's so believable, and I think I remember I think uh, Juniper was talking on one of your other episodes about how it's like a lot of actors talk about how this, there's this great feat of oh I'm playing a homosexual thing this is so difficult and out there for me and it should be something that's praised. But I don't feel like when Robin Williams plays that character it's meant to be some great challenge yeah. of um, it's not such a dynamic step away from what we kind of
1: see him as. Isn't it wild that Robin Williams' dynamic step away was Goodwill Hunting, where he had to play someone you know reserved? Like like you mm. said yeah. earlier, his stepping away is not playing camp, even though he's not gay himself, as far as we know.
0: I think he's always done it with a lot of pathos, and I think with a lot of care for the character. I, I don't think he wants to make fun of like gay people or flamboyant people. I think he actually cares about like portraying their stories. So yeah, I I've got a lot of time for it, definitely. So is that all of your wee production notes, Steve?
1: All my production notes, don't we all feel more informed? Yes.
0: Lovely. The, before we start with the plot, I did jot down a couple of what I think are the themes of the film. I only have two, actually. And I think the, the first theme I had down is family, whether that is uh, like a real biological family or like a queer family or the notion of like, what is a family? And then the other the other point I had was the clash of conservative and liberal politics in america and how that these two sides think that the other is like a monster and that when they meet that there's it kind of breaks down that that idea
1: i love those themes. i think that's i think that's all there is really
0: Um, okay let's dive into the plot so the film starts with a latin infused version of we are family by sister sledge and it pans across the sea to Florida, with the uh, the seafront of the Birdcage Drag Bar, with Sterina as the top billed act. We see the busy and vibrant streets of South Beach, Florida, and we enter the bar, and there's an eclectic group of queens performing. What do you guys think of this group of queens? There, are, there's like many kind of different like character types. There's like a, a Naomi Campbell s queen. There's like a one wearing kind of like traditional Chinese garments. One kind of like a Marie Antoinette style um what do you guys think of them?
2: yeah i thought different. what was really cool was that the queens all looked like they were from like their makeup quality was so different um between certain ones that's like some of them had good makeup and some of them had bad makeup but i thought this is like this is more resembling of what an actual drag bar would look like and i was like sh- i was like surely this uh, um uh, a director wouldn't go to that attention to detail to look into all of this. But then I realised, so I thought they were real queens um, that were performing. And then I realised that they were uh, all trained dancers who had been brought in specifically and trained into doing this. So none of them are pre-existing drag acts. um, Which I thought was quite interesting.
1: I love that you say they are trained dancers when literally the only dance move was um, get up everybody. and, And I'm saying everyone throws their arm up. That's the only dance move. They were just just vibe left to right. It's it's Rajazzo's favourite choreo. Do nothing until the last feet and shove your arm in the air.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I want there was that one who did the Latin style moment. She was a good dancer.
1: It seemed like it was a celebrity impersonations night and she was doing Selena. That was the uh, vibe I was getting.
0: Yeah.
1: Um the Native American headdresses as unknown. No <laughs> oh, no. Not a that, great number with multiple headdresses.
0: So I was the exact same as you, Lacey. I was trying to I was trying to clock any queens that I recognize. Obviously, like like in Tu Wong Fu, there's like tons of famous New York queens there. Um, but there's like a little one who I know it's not her, but it really is Kenya Michaels. And it's the one who puts on that Native American headdress thing. Um, one thing I will add as well that I thought I I, I mean, I love that scene, but one thing I hate drag queens do is lip syncing, holding a fake mic. I absolutely hate it. And especially when the mic isn't even anywhere near close to their mouth. I'm like, just put it down. Like, you don't need to. You, no, you're not. You're not anyone here. Come on.
1: Just say that like you don't own a sparkly, glittery microphone courtesy of a certain brunch event. That we use for your vision very often well, vision. we do it ironically <laughs> CJ is fine
0: we do it ironically we're making fun of drag i
1: don't do it ironically i love it <laughs> it's,
2: like, it's not ironic when i'm 22 minutes into my judy mix <laughs> exactly see, see I,
1: i've gone to the length of getting an authentic 40s style microphone and you will respect that um <laughs> no the other there's one that looks a little bit like a mixture between brooklyn heights and michelle visage the blonde one and i was staring at her and i thought is that brooklyn but then i thought i don't know if she's old enough to have been doing dragon no, surely not surely not um,
0: the show has a control room with like a stage manager on a headset and the only drag show that i've ever experienced that has that is a uh, drag walk
2: <laughs> that's it well america does have like higher production we kind of like Uh, uh, we all kind of look at RuPaul's Drag Race as being like the golden age that's redefined and made drag like the biggest thing which is true but also like if you look at the spaces that it's happening it's like these local dive bars that we perform in each week if you look at stuff like the Miss Gay America pageant that's production was like um like you know it was like proper theatre stuff people would come with like trucks load of set and all this and they would have sound and lighting tests and all this um so uh, and I think it's set in South Beach, Miami, which does have a lot of drag bars in it anyway. So, I, I, I guess the kind of thing that we could relate it to would be like the Sparkle Show Bar setup. Yeah. Where, exactly. the Queen, you know, the Queens have like, and you they kind of reference it's like when they're doing a rehearsal later on and they're yeah. adding like a new number to the show because it's a show, it's not just. Um, it's not just a ra- it's not a random assortment of acts coming together for like a vocabulary. this is like some um directed thing so i'm yeah. guessing it's the same there every night i mean they finish with we are family like every night so i'm guessing it's a it's a production yeah exactly. the, the way
1: the way that there's like rehearsals of it you're like this is not seven queens saying here's my mp3 on the night go like it's, <laughs> it's a top to toe fully um realized thing And we see it later on, I know we're flashing later on, where they're rehearsing it, and it's like, you rehearse for a dress? show. never heard of it. She doesn't exist.
0: Okay, let's move on. So the next little bit we have, we meet the proprietor of the club, who's Armand, played by Robin Williams, who's kind of walking around schmoozing, talking to customers. I do love the moment where he kind of swings the kitchen door open and he sees a chef dropping food on the floor, which as someone who's worked in a restaurant, I have seen chefs do that before and it's disgusting.
1: I fully, I fully, oh.
0: when I when I, I wouldn't name, I will not name the, the venue but, or the, the place, but I once worked somewhere and I was a waiter, I was giving a customer, I think it was like chicken kebabs. And as a chef gave it to me, he dropped them on the floor and he literally just picked it up and then gave it like a once over on the hot grill. And he was like,
2: it's fine. Rotten I bet it was Do you know what We're building our immune systems For this very moment
1: You know what (laughs) bet they scarfed it down And said it's the best Chicken kebab I've ever had <laughs> no doubts.
0: But yeah, it's a the venue has a very diverse audience. There's queers, there's straight couples, there's uh, Kennedys. Um, I know.
2: I feel, I feel like at some points I felt like this was less of a movie and more of an advert to go and retire in Florida. <laughs> I was like, yep, this looks great. <laughs> All the like pastel pink walls and stuff. I was like, oh babies and old gays.
0: but meanwhile we have the character of uh, albert aka starina who is having like a diva moment and she's running late for her time on stage their assistant agador who i wrote down puts the sissy in assistant uh, is their (laughs) Guatemalan house boy trying to kind of get her out of her strop and get her on stage the i think yeah we can we kind of see here the the dynamic between the relationship of albert and armand she's kind of like channeling this like old Hollywood diva with her strops and dramatic moments. I'm fat, I'm hideous, I hate my life. And I love the line where she's moaning about her life and uh, the response from um, Armand is, I made you short.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, we could all, re- I, I don't know, maybe it's just me that's like found the cool thing a bit stark watching a slowly aging drag queen not wanting to perform anymore. But... um. <laughs> um but I love it. It's very. I think it's, like, it, that sort of petty nonsense. It's. It, I think it's Drag very queens being like, typi- petty? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's very typical of, like, a gay love relationship. Oh, my God. There was a girl on my burlesque class that we did a murder mystery. And um, she solved the murder, but she thought it was because they were in a gay
1: love relationship.
2: And I can't <laughs> stop saying that anymore. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, Luna Luscious, of what a baby. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, the kind of tiffs that they have are so, like, are so homo. (laughs) 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 I'm like, yeah, that's kind of how silly and bitchy gays are with each other when they're pissed.
0: It's funny, like, I remember when I watched this as a kid and that kind of made me uncomfortable. I guess it was kind of like an internalised homophobia thing. And also, like, I have... uh, on several occasions I've heard straight people say, Oh yeah, like gay gay relationship, they they don't they don't last. They, they don't they never work out. I've I've heard that before from people. And I think it always gave me a slight like it made me kind of nervous or uncomfortable. So but now that I know what they are like, I think it is I I I appreciate that it's like a realistic portrayal and it's it's showing that uh a queer relationship is the same as a straight one. There are ups and downs and it's showing it in a comedic and a kind of a real way. What, what do you think, CJ? Mm-hmm.
1: I think that Nathan Lane in this scene is giving off big top energy. And I also think that um, it's funny because the Agador is part of that character is based on Judy Garland's like personal dresser. So I just love imagining Judy Garland doing the exact same behavior, which is very plausible. Absolutely very plausible in this scene. Um, what you mean, no, doping do- her up
0: with pills and getting pushing her out on stage? Yes,
1: that specifically. Um, the, the, the only bit of this entire thing that I resonate with is when she starts shaving her chest as she's decided to go on. <laughs> That's like that. big me energy. Do you, know what? do
2: you know what I love? That she's gone to the effort of like
1: face, takes, yeah. face places but zero foundation. <laughs> and then she shaves over the foundation and starts in the chest. It's, I mean it's that classic gay thing of like, I don't want it, I don't want it, and then you give it to someone else and you say, how dare you give it to someone else, I want it.
0: <laughs> one, day, one thing I did note down was, there's lots of suggestions, or maybe not, maybe not suggestions, but kind of hints that, is Albert trans? I mean, she refers to herself as a woman with female pronouns, her dress sizes are like the female dress sizes, And even like out of drag, her like clothing is very, very femme, even more so than like Armand. I don't know, like, it's, I don't know if that's the case, but I think it's maybe like if this film was in the current day, I think I don't, I don't feel like Albert would be cis. I feel like she'd be somewhere on the spectrum of transness. I
1: I, I see her as totally cis. Really? Yeah. Uh I just, for me, it's the thing of that, like, you know, we use she, her pronouns. We say, I'm feeling so womanly tonight. We use like, oh, is that 12 or 14? Um, And I think that, I don't know, you know, there's not a lot of great portrayals of trans relationships throughout media. Um, And if this, you know, if this was redone today and the director said, oh yeah, she would be trans, I would go along with it. But in this interpretation specifically, I think it serves to show that femininity can be in a cis gay man's life just as much that's as a trans true. woman's life. Um, yeah, that's just they my also take. Use,
2: they also use man as an insult which I think is a good <laughs> thing <laughs> from um, a toxic perspective, but um, not from a toxic perspective, you know what I mean, um, but I, th- I think it's more kind of eats into that trope that people had of gay relationships or the idea that there was always a man and a woman in the relationship, so the kind of framing of it is that Armand is very much the man, and uh, Albert is the woman of the mm-hmm. relationship, um, which is only something that kind of—I mean—it it still gets kind of still kind of stereotyped, but it's something that's only kind of been looked into and broken down in—I don't know—recent times. I'd say maybe not necessarily in the '90s. That's
1: true. I agree that's true.
0: Um, but yes, we see Sterina's set on stage, and it's, I think it's complete class. I think Nathan Lane is a Broadway legend and just kills it. I would not expect anything less from her. What, what, what do you guys think of it?
1: I wrote yeah. down, her in full drag looks less like a drag queen and more like a Monty Python extra. <laughs> <laughs> see, like, the leopard print off to one side headpiece with just the spit curls coming around. I was like, where is the drag? this
2: is what the item i love it i think i think as well it's i think i i mind it less because we did see queens earlier that were like full beat painted and stuff that i'm like right you understand that but this is just a different type of because they are all lip syncing and then here is like the headliner who seems to be a kind of I don't know, like a more cabaret, like Joe Black style. Like I'm coming down Very to chat with the audience. Very Joe Black. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, right, I, 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 I can accept that he's doing it from a different field, and he's also been doing this a lot longer than like the younger queens. I think there's a scene where we see. Um, the assistant like dancing about and i was like oh you are like jeffrey boyer chapman like sitting on a least front leg in the smoking area like dancing to kid <laughs> petris and <laughs> so there's even like there's even an understanding that drag has like and he says something he's like oh i'm too like spicy and blah blah, blah i'm not like your little like estrogen rockets which you know <laughs> whatever but, <laughs> um so i i don't know i i think it's fine and i think that even like subtly to most people watching that, it would just be oh, there's another drag in the thing. But I'm like, well, you've actually
1: set um, out a hierarchy.
2: Yeah, or a
1: diff- uh-huh.
0: Speaking of that, though, I will say I think uh, Agador feeling his oats to Gloria Estefan is peak baby queen energy, it really is that.
2: And
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oceanids is a black rooted to grey short wig from Amazon.
2: It's the Christmas decoration just hung in the middle of the bra. (laughs) (laughs) But yes,
0: moving on, there's Albert is convinced that Armand is having an affair and he spies a bottle of white wine in the fridge that is not usually drunk by them and we're kind of led to believe that this is the case and this young man appears to meet Armand but then it's revealed that that's actually their son Val who's arriving to reveal that he is engaged to a girl that he's met at university and he kind of wants his father's blessing. Val is meant to be what 20?
1: Yes. He's a 27- twenty-seven
0: no. <laughs> Val is twenty, yeah. and the girl is not even eighteen, which is no, wild.
1: not even nineteen. So eighteen.
2: Wow. Val looks like he's been a lawyer for thirty years. Yes. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> it's
1: uh, th- th- that scene specifically is a kind of it's a mess. It's I think it's actually very comedic because what they're doing is it's the words that a father uses when his son comes out as gay that's the whole point and yeah. it's like so it's it's meant to funnily like put a mirror up to that and be like yeah this is all bullshit i wrote down the line specifically because i was like you're on your own i don't want anything to do with it don't come back here and don't ask me for anything i was like that is that whole skit that they do is literally meant to be like a fucking you to anyone who actually says those lines mm. mm-hmm. that's very bad at least definitely very, very very true
2: I think Robin Williams, even in an interview, said something like about how the film is like a big political kick in the ass when they had George Bush, like a Republican, come into power. Um, And he was like, oh, I don't want to get into it too much, but it is a real kick in the ass. Um, And I think, yeah, because it does. And I think that the great thing about the film is that it's that, that goes like for, for, I think for so many straight audience, that will be like a ha ha ha, like, oh, that's like that thing but yeah uh, for so many gay audience like people watching that will be like oh my god thank god someone's finally like Poked vocalizing this yeah
0: yeah i think i think yeah it definitely manages to kind of make quite poignant statements but in a very like g- good and like f- funny also way i think it's very very well done absolutely meanwhile barbara is also telling her parents about the engagement and we see her family is very 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 heterosexual very conservative her father is a senator and a founder of the coalition for moral order and she lies to them and says that her her fiance's uh, father is a cultural attache for greece which i kind of want to make my title um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and this kind of begins the the series of lies that make up the film's drama
1: the in-laws what a freak show honestly like (laughs) watching those group of people i'm like this is heavy cult energy and i don't know how anyone watching it can be like oh yeah they're the normal ones and and i think a lot of the representation of the in-laws is like absurdist at its highest level and intentionally Mm. because i'm like like they said this is meant to show when you look at the two families here you've got armand and albert on one side and then the senator and the wife you're meant to see that one is normal the gays and one is like crazy with when they're sitting around and they're all the mum is like a simpleton she's like that sounds lovely and it's just so strange it's like being a fly on the wall in heterosexual living rooms and i don't want to be any part of that <laughs> <laughs> i
2: cannot it's I agree and I disagree. I think they're also, like, if we compare the two families, they are, like, a kind of absurdist Republican thing. Like, she's yeah. calling her daughter Barbie and she's like, oh, you've been tested? Like, oh my god, my daughter has had sex. Like, sort of. um, And uh, the, the fact that they're doing, that he's the campaigner for, like, moral values and stuff. And it, it, it is, like, such, it's, it's, a very, it's a very stereotypical way of looking at Republicans, but I think that there's also um when they come together there's also there's which i guess we'll talk more about there's more of a kind of like i don't know they seem a bit more dimensional and the wife has got a bit of like why are you like siding with um this other woman and you've been so rude and i don't feel like i understand you so there is like moments of giving more depth to them rather than just this unnamed antagonistic menace
1: I agree, but I think those moments come when they come into contact with each other. And I think that like when we're talking, like you said, one of the themes is like family and the other theme is Republican and liberal coming together. And I think that like all of the initial scenes before they have met, everything that happens with them is like so absurd and yet they play it off as so normal. And, uh, you know, I think it's meant to show that like when these two sides come together, there is a middling effect and both see the other side a wee bit more so I think it's in stark contrast to seeing just the senator's family solo. I I think yeah I think
0: it does feed into that and I think it it also goes back to the whole idea that these two opposing sides think that the other one is the monster and they because they never really those types of people would never really engage in real life, that would never happen, This, this coming together is so unusual and I think both sides are kind of made out to be silly that we see silliness and we see how they both have their own flaws and like issues we're gonna side with the gays obviously.
1: And to speak to the silliness just a little bit as well, it, the scenes obviously that what part of the plot is that the senator's other senator friend who's in the moral coalition dies and all this stuff comes out about how he died and before this stuff comes out they're like oh yeah Jackson's he's great he's moral he's this and then it's like he was found in the bed of a black minor sex worker and then they're like, yeah, no, we never <laughs> liked him, he's trash, is that yeah, he immediate flip to like, oh no, no, we never liked him, no, 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 we never liked him just because he, that thing comes out.
2: But then again, is that not kind of what we aim to do and like um, distancing ourselves from like corrupt behavior that we see, even if it is within our own groups and scenes?
1: I, I think it's to do with that he, you know, this this guy doesn't, he, he flips so easily privately and doesn't make a public statement. You're allowed to take, yeah. you know, you're allowed to come to terms with things slowly, but you have to be upfront, honest and open with yourself. And if you're a, you know, a position of power, a position of platform, you have to say, look, here is the mental state that I was before, here's what I've gone through, here's where I've ended up. You don't just get to say, as soon as I learn this information, I immediately dissociate everything and it's a complete flip. You have to be like, I realize one thing, I know the information, you know, like, it just showed, like, if you imagine that that type of thing happened to Armand and Albert, there would be a more human, like, fuck, that happened, we were associated with that person, we need to put out a statement that's like, we didn't know this, but we were still associated and we can only mm. apologise.
0: One, one thing I'll note as well is that it's quite, I, I thought it was really cute, the scenes of when, when Albert does find out that there's not an affair happening and it's their, the surprise of their son Val coming home. And I think it's very cute that the two of them really deeply care for Val. And it's a very, very positive and quite early in cinema portrayal of a queer family, like raising a child but then i mean we'll, we'll chat more about it later but i think the real villain of this film is val in the way that even though yes. his parents are so lovely to him he treats them so horribly and he makes them kind of go against their own values and not be themselves but we'll, we'll come to that later on the next scene is one of my i love this scene so much and it's albert shopping in town with the glasses on the string It just makes me so happy. And uh, when he's like taking the little cakes from the shop and he's like, "Mm, when the Schnecken beckons, I just,
1: it makes me so happy. That line specifically is far too much.
2: <laughs> it's also it's also cool to see him just like within his community. Yeah, South South Beach just seems to be like this bubble of like acceptance. Everyone's cutting about in like speedos, and no one really cares. And there's like this woman in a scene, sitting in like pure Versace um like in the cafe i think that's just like rejazzled in 10 years time that's iris um,
1: apphill how do you it's the cameo it's iris apphill no, no that's a joke <laughs> oh right okay that's that granny one who does pretty little thing love no, her no. love her
2: what's her name what you,
0: oh you winkle? mean baddie winkle ba-
1: yeah that's baddie winkle sitting right there in the <laughs>
0: But yes, the next bit when, he, when um, Albert comes back, it's the, the news is broken that Val is getting married and like everything in Albert's life, his reaction is very hysterical, overdramatic. And Val is throwing his life away to some dormitory sluts. <laughs> How like you guys- that.
1: I, think he says that. I think he says that line and says, and that's all I'm gonna say. As if it's, <laughs> a, it's like very you know, critical thinking yeah. uh, discussion. He's like, she's a slut, I hate her and you shouldn't do it, but that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs>
0: How do you guys feel about the fact that they kind of have to navigate around Albert's emotions through the entire film?
1: We all know people that are like that that like make you know when something goes wrong in the world, it, it all circles back to how it affects them. Mm. Um, so no, I, I you know I think that like this is where the 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 selfishness of the Albert character like come to the surface, and you're like, wow, come on now. I, I
0: think yeah, I guess it is, it is played for comedy and yeah we do know people who are like this but I don't think they're quite on that same like hysterical level of Albert but it's it's like a it's a it's a comic character I'm not mad at it but yes meanwhile as you mentioned earlier there's a scandal with Barbara's family and one of one of her father's colleagues has been found uh, dead in a bed with a black underage sex worker which is
2: not a great not triple threat,
0: <laughs> which is not a great look for a conservative politician, and the media are gathering around their house, and they need to escape. So Barbara's uh, mother Louise suggests that a big white wedding could be like an ample distraction for the media. So they travel. They decide to travel to South Beach to have dinner with Val's family. One thing I will note as well is that I love the just the visual contrast of the two families where you have one is very gray and kind of muted colors and one is very colorful in um the south and there's also like one is in the winter and one is in summer which i think is a, 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 like, a, like a geographic thing obviously but it's also kind of quite i think symbolic as well we love a color theory
1: color <laughs> theory
0: so back in florida starina is rehearsing in heels which i appreciate as a queen and her scene partner is a brainless bag of ne- muscles,
1: meathead. I believe yeah. is the technical <laughs> term.
0: Uh, this is another like iconic scene where he's chewing the gum uh, to help him think, and Starina says, "Honey, you're wasting your gum." And Robin Williams, I mean, the two of them just kill this scene.
1: No, the the, fu- the funny thing for me was that, like, you know. This this tells us that it's a cabaret show and not a drag show because when Robin Williams explains what's going on to the meatheads, she says, this is a complex number full of mythic themes. When I heard those two (laughs) words together, I said, honey, this isn't Dale's on a Wednesday night. This is cabaret. This is wild cabaret tickets only. Yeah. Methic themes. <laughs> themes. Too much. An audience crowd pleaser. They don't want to see the Pussycat dolls uh, uh, no. in a shape. They want to see methic themes. I mean, this <laughs> is
2: the place that the Kennedys are coming to, I guess. So, exactly. yeah. More upscale with, with 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 porn stars playing your dancers. <laughs> <It's>, uh,
1: <laughs> meth-
0: Going back to the whole, like, I know you mentioned it earlier like that the, a lot of these songs are kind of Sondheim rejected songs, but I, I, when I first saw it, I thought this was some kind of like musical theatre standard, but I can't believe that this song, was it written for
1: the film, I think? So, no, I can't remember it's this one. I know two of the main songs. One of them was written for Follies and taken out of Follies and was included in this. Yeah. And one of the other things was meant to be the original opening song to A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum and was replaced with Comedy Tonight. I think the one that they're singing here is the Follies one. Cause right. I think okay. this is
2: the I think this is the original one actually.
1: Is this <laughs> the original under, one? Just to undermine you, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I I just read songtime and I went tick. I'm gonna include it. But I I just yeah. thought it was funny because I know the two that ended up in the Sontimes, but I had never heard these ones before.
2: Because they, they sound so like they do speak to something you feel like you've heard before.
0: Yeah, yeah totally. It's very very that. Yes, the next scene, so Val reveals to Armand that Barbara's father is this conservative senator and reveals that Barbara has lied about his profession and this is where we kind of start to see Val being a bit of an asshole to his father and he's asking them to pretend to be something else, pretend to be a cultural attaché, to redecorate the house and worst of all to get rid of Albert for, you for a few days.
2: It's tricky because like you obviously know that the film has to get to a certain point and it's what dri- what drives it the whole time is the son pushing for this. Um, pushing the characters nice. to, yeah, to do that, to like to deny who they are. Mm. And it's weird because when when I think about the birdcage, I'm like, oh, the senator's family come over and Albert has to trick them by dressing up as a woman. But that actually is a a small part of the film what makes up most of the action is them trying to um prepare for this dinner party and blend in and retrain themselves and act straight and get rid of albert bring albert on board like uh, and that is what is the majority of the conflict up until um the
1: yeah it's 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 like a two-hour film the first hour is before they've even arrived Uh um I don't know, either of you, seeing the the La Casual Fall, like the stage production of this, I, I think it would make more sense on a stage production if, you know, they've arrived before this plan has been hatched and it's a total like last minute thing. That kind of eases the storytelling a bit more because it's, like on a stage production it's like oh they've already arrived shove on a wig pretend to be we're now pretend to be straight we'll be a couple and we'll just get through tonight whereas this film i think is more successful because actually all of the thought and depth of the storytelling is in the coming to terms with um pretending to be not who you are so i think that You know, I don't know if that is the original production, that it's more of like a slapdash quick thing. But I think that this film is kind of exploring a completely different topic almost. And I appreciate that as much as what I would assume the original is.
2: Well, I think the original is quite, it's actually quite true to the original in terms of that. that Like, Yeah, the song I Am What I Am comes from that show. And that's the kind of act one finale where Albert is like, Storm or whoever the Albert equivalent character is, the storming around like no, I, like he goes on to perform as, his at the show that night, and that's the number he's doing. But it's a kind of defiant moment of no, like you can't hide me. I'm not going to be like uh, something else. I am what I am. And he takes his wig off. Um, and yeah. the only kind of difference from Casual Fall uh, to this, apart from like uh, culturally being a lot more Americanized, I think is that they end up having to leave the apartment and go to dinner elsewhere in a restaurant where um, he then drums everyone up into like a song and a dance and the whole restaurant are singing along because it's a musical and at the end he goes like that and tears his wig off like as his kind of like signature finale then is like oops like I've just clocked myself. Um,
1: Can we talk about why you wouldn't just go to a restaurant anyway even in this film? Why, why did they have to have dinner at the house?
2: I, I suppose because he's the senator and he's like on, keep, uh, on the DL. True, download.
1: true.
0: Yeah, they're, um, on the, they're on
1: the DL. But You know, I, I, I agree that like, I think from this point on with Val having said like, here's what I want you to do. The next, you know, half an hour is basically Robin going back and forth on like, I love my son enough to want to do this. I love my partner enough want not to want to make him do this. I love myself enough to not want to do this. And it's it's this back and forth, because there's a really extended scene where, you know, Robin's at the bar drinking, Val's in the bedroom drinking, and it's that, like, that is a visualisation of, like, coming to terms with this.
2: Uh-huh. I think it also, like... Um it's, as you said, it's the theme of family. And ultimately what parents do is make sacrifices for their children, like kind of in any setting. And that's, or what good parents should do. And that's kind of what we um, see here, even though what the child is asking is so wrong. And it's demonstrated within the film that it's wrong. And it's shown that it's breaking the hearts of both their parents, in the end, that's what they ultimately conform to do, um, and yeah. And it, whereas we look at um, uh, Barbara's parents, and they're kind of they were unwilling to accept the wedding until it was something that was going to benefit them. Uh, I think uh, Barbara. Barbara's mum was like, oh, a wedding is hope and it's um, healing and a white wedding and it's a repair for your image and all that. And I guess in that sense, the queer family are um, made out to be the better.
1: I, yeah, I, I think when we see that, you know, um, Robin Williams comes to that decision of like, I am going to make this sacrifice despite it going against my beliefs. And I think that... In a normal circumstance, when a parent does that, they don't let the child see that like they're you know, ultimately unhappy doing it. But we see that, like, he says, you're a man now, so like I'm going to do this for you. I'm not going to be happy that I'm doing it. And I think that plays into where the plot goes after that.
0: Indeed. So the Keeleys are traveling south to Florida, and they're closely followed by some shifty-looking investigative journalists who have been tipped off by their chauffeur. And meanwhile, Albert and Armand's house is being redecorated to a more um, minimalist Hetty. style. Hetty. Yep. Hetty. Uh, with And I love that the queens are helping them. They've got all of these queens out of drag to help them redecorate. And Armand <laughs> is trying to distract Albert from going home but upon arriving, she thinks that they've been robbed um, and is quickly told that she needs to disappear for a few days. And of course, this is deeply hurtful to albert i think it's interesting that that scene where again albert's being hysterical and screaming is again is played for laughs but i think that would be very hurtful i think in real life that would be if someone is saying you you're too much you're an embarrassment that would be that would be horrible from from like Mm. a child
2: that you've raised it's not not nice Oh, completely. Throwback to me at age 16 when Bibi's telling me not to wear dungaree shorts it's <laughs> <to> the family <laughs> dinner, <laughs> all hell broke loose.
1: I think it's only because we know where the plot goes, right? But like the fact that they don't give him options, I think is what like hurts him because, you know, we then go down this route of like, can he play a man? No. Um, but it's that thing of like, there's no... with um keep getting their names mixed up it's albert and armand Armand. with with armand you know val is like you can get away with playing this or you can do this and you can do that um which we then see him go back on later on but with albert he's like you can't do anything to please these people so you just need to be gone out of here that's it's like not just the same level of heart that albert's feeling it's even higher because it's we're not even giving you the the thought to say, "Let's see if you can play something that's convincing a straight uncle or whatever." It's it's even more hurtful.
2: Mm-hmm. I think there's also the kind of like he's Armand is the biological parent, whereas Al is the adopted one, which definitely feeds into a lot more like this is the person that raised you and chose to raise you, um, and there's just a kind of it's not even kind of as far as Val goes, it's kind of not it's not even it's weird that that wouldn't be ingrained in him, yeah. that it seems that that's not something he respects as much. He's like, oh, well, dad's like, dad, you've got to be there. Like Armand, um, can I guess have, it's let's maybe, get rid of
0: Al. I guess it's maybe because, I mean, let's face it, like Albert is much more effeminate than Armand. And that's, that's me quite evident. And probably, I think there's a scene where Armand says, oh, I can play it straight. Because probably in the past he's had to. Whereas yeah. I feel like Albert, has never been capable of doing that i think i think she's always been like a screaming queen i think that's just who she is and probably like being rejected by her own son is much more traumatic for her because she's probably like faced a lot of rejection in her life already because of the way that she is so i think i really do feel for her i think it's 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 quite upsetting and i think yeah not nice. Armand consoles Albert in the restaurant and explains that Barbara's parents are these right-wing conservatives and they do kind of consider the idea of albert playing it straight for the for the meal again i love this scene where armand is teaching albert how to do this (laughs) there's her doing her john wayne walk in her little white clogs (laughs) that mean that that's just like a piece of like incredible like like comedy theatre, it's just it's just so well done, and they're just amazing actors to, to to pull it off. Armand considers having Albert pretend to be Val's uncle for the night, and they decide to contact Val's biological mother, who's called Catherine, to come and pose as the mother, as, as his mother for the night.
2: I think it's interesting that he's so like he's a performer and like this actor and uh vocabulary star that but he's very unable to tie down what it is to play a straight man. Which means that I think for him, drag is a lot less of like, because people come at it from all different angles, but um, for him, I think it's more, far less of a, oh, look, this is a job for me and I'm a dancer and I'm a singer as much as it is that this is an expression of me and how I interpret, you know, I don't want to say his gender, but like, um, his life. I don't know, his gender right. expression, I guess. Yeah, like mm-hmm. life. Um, <laughs>
1: It's that thing of, he, he doesn't have a character when he hits the stage. It's literally just like, he is that, he's a drag queen mm. on the street when he's wearing no drag at all. And when yeah. he hits the stage, he just happens to have a spotlight and a fake microphone in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I also... No, he from,
2: sings. He, he actually sings.
1: Yeah. Who knows, it's a That's pre-recorded like track of... He's sung it as a pre-recorded track of himself He's lip syncing. <laughs> um, I also love just the, the one tap bit from that restaurant scene, Men schmear. And that's the true fact. Men schmear. <laughs> it's <don't> spread. <gasps> oh,
0: smear. Smear.
1: <laughs> I, I, I prefer <laughs> schmear. Like the Jewish schmear on a bagel. Wow. Icon legend star Christine. Baranski, thank you. Oh. She's in any film. Love mm. to see it.
2: I've watched so much Real Housewives that uh, across lockdown, that when she came on, I was like, "That is the most beautiful face I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> <laughs> bone
1: <Absolutely. laughs> structure. for has days. she
0: question? Has she ever been like a main character? She is like the ultimate supporting <laughs> character, but she's she's amazing. I love I love her in everything. I love her in um. Chicago, I love her in The Addams Family Values. Like, she's amazing. I love her, but I've never seen her as a main character.
1: character. She plays a main character in The Good Fight, which is, it's not a spin off of The Good Wife, but it's a continuation of The Good Wife. And she plays like a lawyer. And there's a scene where she's in floods of tears as Donald Trump gets inaugurated, and it's fantastic.
0: Wow. But yes, this is the scene where they visit Catherine at her glamorous uh, fitness business. I I love the line that she says where she says I'm between husbands. I can't. Love it. Yeah. And what do you guys think of the chemistry between her and Armand? I think definitely it makes Albert uncomfortable because he, she, the fact that Albert comes along and kind of waits awkwardly in that waiting room and Armand and Catherine perform this show tune show tune together. What that do you guys is think about that?
2: In the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I guess she is obviously, I guess, some like, uh, <laughs> um, cougar-esque.
0: Um, yeah. Is she meant yeah. to be
1: older than Armand? Don't or the same age, so.
0: probably. Sim- similar age. Yeah, like, I, I
1: didn't read it as cougar as much as like. So obviously, this is the mother of Val and Dave slept together, and I think it's that thing of like she's clearly, you know, uh, a head bitch in charge. She runs her own life but seeing him reminds her of a time where she kind of didn't have it all together or that like he was, you know, good sexually and she's reminiscing of that by being like, oh, um, she's just, I mean, any scene with Christine Bransky is fantastic. I love all this, see all the better bit like, oh my good, oh, this dark chest here. She's Christine <laughs> Branski." with one finger on your chest? That's enough for an orgasm. <laughs> Christy Maransky has the touch of life.
2: I feel like he's more being kind Humoring? to the memory. Yeah. And less... I, I don't think he is being, like, aroused by the situation. I think he's more just you know he's comfortable with her because um, mm. they they work together they're old they're old friends more than they are ex-lovers i think so yeah he sees no problem in joking about it and then suddenly it's just um getting a little bit too far
0: i remember like i i always found this scene quite weird and i was trying to kind of like analyze why it's included because it's quite a long scene and i think mm. i guess it is just to kind of add more background to the existence of val because i think for a lot because you have to remember like this film like all movies are intended for like a straight audience so you mm-hmm. have to kind of explain to them gay people can have children because maybe they had a one night stand with a woman years ago like i think they have to kind of explain that but yeah the whole, the whole the whole chest hair scene uh this then causes well albert storms in and sees this and thinks that again there's an affair happening and then we have the scene where they're kind of sitting by the sea and they kind of make up and they sign this palimonia agreement and they're now partners in uh, ownership and property.
2: I think that's the most unrealistic bit because gay people don't have any money. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's what makes it realistic. Basically, that's a, you know, what happened before there was gay marriage or civil partnership. You just share the shit that you have and say, we're in it together. We, mm. we have this together. It's like, I'm £40,000 in debt. Do you want to have 20000 of that? Let's do it together.
2: <laughs> I think... I'm guessing that that is legal in that it was a business that they could own together, but, um, I guess you can own property with anyone. Um, yeah. And that's it, as close to the kind of marriages you're getting.
0: That it's, time, it's, yeah. it's,
1: it's like an, it's a, a signifier of a relationship because, you know, you can't get married, you can't do civil partnership. So it's that thing of like, we, I am, I'm, I'm laying my chips down somewhere and gambling on you and not just keeping them to myself and I can get up and leave at any time. I, I'm settling and building a life with you, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is nice. And I think that's kind of what Albert wanted from the start. His kind of character arc goes to... Because he's always like, he's happy with him. But well, it's weird because we always we see him as being like this person that's very happy with himself. But from the start, he is like screaming and crying and insecure. He's like a bird trapped in a cage, and um, <laughs> cut
1: it, cut um, the camera's dead ass. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but so I think I feel like it's almost less. I suppose it's less of an arc for him that he needs to overcome, and more Armand that um, recognizes the insecurity of his partner and of. Um, their relationship and is then able to go okay right I understand where you're coming from and I want to do what makes you happy
1: and also I can understand how my actions are feeding into that insecurity and how I can prevent that moving forward.
0: So the next scene they are getting ready for the meal and I guess this scene has most of the pretty horrible comments from Val towards Armand and Albert telling them not to gesture or talk too much or dress or act in any kind of flashy way. I do enjoy (laughs) that Albert comes out in that black suit but
1: then has the bright pink socks.
0: One does need a touch of color.
1: (laughs) This scene just really hurts my... Seeing like fabulous fags in boring black suits, it's really the most depressing thing you'll ever see. Mm -hmm. Even with a touch of pink, very upsetting. (laughs)
2: I know. I think that is so well acted as well. It's just so like rigid and he's it, the kind of juxtaposition of try of acting butch and trying to come across butch not getting it and
1: Nathan yeah. Lane does that on the daily. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it kind of is a, an overall comment that that whole idea of acting masculine is a kind of like an act in a way and it's something that's kind of put on. It's also like,
2: something that's toxic. Yeah. and isn't beneficial to anyone that's trying to do it. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's that thing of like you are indoctrinated with these things from birth as a man where it's like you have to shake hands firmly and you have to walk like John Wayne and you have to... And like as much, as you know, we always say that everything is a character, everything is drag because you, we just see that Nathan Lane is failing to portray anything other than a screaming queen because he's not buying into this thing that he's been told to do as a man, which is refreshing to see and then depressing to see him try and do it from someone else's like direction. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is, that, that is the drag illusion, he's incapable of, of um.
0: <laughs> so the Achilles arrive in South Beach and they're immediately met with lots of colour and nudity. And the the Goldbergs, or rather the Colemans, for the night are stressing out. There's Agador Spartacus, his new name, who can't walk in shoes. There's the shrieks of Albert from other rooms, and Catherine is stuck in traffic. So it's all very very awkward and tense. And the rest of the film is kind of just like a, I the, the whole meal scene. You can see how it once was a play because it kind of does translate as like a staged comedy of errors in a way there's a very when
1: they start going rocky (laughs) that's my favorite bit of the table
0: (laughs) there's a very strange i mean once once they arrive there's a very very strange conversation where there's the senator talking about the foliage in virginia and i was trying to think about i was like why on earth is this included and i guess it's it kind of goes back to the the queers see people like him as some horrifying monster some scary republican senator but he's just like a silly old man that's i think mm-hmm. that's what it's trying to do and he's he really Not is kind silly of he is, he is man. Well, he's, he's in a way he's, <laughs> kind, of har- he's kind of harmless man. like he he says these horrible things but i don't think he himself is like a horrible person like right wingers they, they kind of become like indoctrinated by these horrible notions
1: it's just that thing like when they arrive and uh, it's I mean it plays into this when you meet in laws thing, but like is this really how people do it where they stand up tall and they go, Good evening, this is my mother, this is my father, let's shake hands, let's do small talk. Really? It's it's crucial to like not crucial, it's very hard to watch that. Like honestly watch that.
2: I'll say Is this how
1: hetties live too much? any
2: room with Jesus Christ overlooking it immediately becomes awkward, and I can say that from experience. But I, I think the whole setup of the dining chairs around the coffee table as well—it just, I don't know—it just really tickled me. It was like a house in The Sims that was like decorated last minute. And it it just looks had...
1: so culty. It's like yeah. we're going to sit around three facing three. You shall let your soul out, and it shall move from one side of the room to the other. Um, really, really wild. Um, one of the things when they're sitting there and he is talking about the the roads and the black and the green uh, I was like again absurdist but one of my favorite lines from the centre here is I like you you're the type of family that doesn't have a lot of good books not a lot of good art on the walls just a crucifix that's all you need in life (laughs) it really shows the heart of the family again I think it is it's just to make it's just to make him
0: and his politics look so silly because it's, it's just it's poking fun at it and i think also yeah. as well is it's saying that the, the entire film val was trying to impress this silly old man that is who he was trying to impress mm-hmm. by making yeah. by, by betraying his parents and making them change the way who they are and i think it just shows how wrong that is because instantly old man, like, who cares? Yeah, the Keeleys are a little bit suspicious of what's going on by all these awkward conversations and Armand's <laughs> nervous demeanor and all the contradictions. And then Albert arrives in drag, dressed as Val's mother. And why, why are you stopping me?
1: Drag is a strong word. <laughs> it's drag,
0: it's drag.
1: How, how long do you think that mug took Rajazzo?
2: it was already on (laughs) yeah yes
0: it was face tapes and a wee bit of a a chest shave and you're good to go that's that's it
1: (laughs) i just love when a woman has a strong five o'clock shadow from ear to shining ear
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think what's funny is that he's clockable instantly but everyone obviously they recognize but even barbara who's never met him before is like oh i know exactly what that is <laughs> um, but the I think just because the the parent, the Republicans don't it doesn't enter their sphere of thought that that's something that could be happening. Yeah. Um. But it's obviously um because I think the look was based off of Barbara Bush. And yeah, even, it's very. That. Oh my God! I keep forgetting the assistant's name. Um, the house. Agador. So even when he comes in, he's like laughing at her, like, oh my God, look at the actual state of you." Um, <laughs> because this is like, this isn't glamorous Starina with, you know, one millimeter of eyeliner. Is this with no <laughs> this isn't glamorous,
1: glamorous Starina <laughs> looking like a Monty Python extra. Yeah. She's looking like a uh-huh. uh, Little Britain extra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, thing that, the thing that I think is really fun about her character like obviously she plays republican and she like not eggs on the senator but is like amping up this she's decided i'm going to play barbara bush top to bottom including her views and i think it's funny because this is something that like not specifically whether it's conservative views but like we've all done that thing where you're intentionally playing the character just to rip the piss out of someone and let them talk crazily like i've done it with like christians and catholics non-stop um because i think that's fair enough but like (laughs) oh it's so hard to watch someone be like oh yeah i'm laughing at you saying these things that i've prodded you to say really really funny to watch i think and again i think it it
0: does feed into the whole idea of facades and how the all these things are kind of put on and aren't like really real ideas like gender they can be falsified so easily that you can you can you can fool someone i'm going to like i'm going to quote rupaul here and say that one of one of like the meanings of drag is to like not take life so seriously and i think that kind of does that i think that's kind of what the meaning of this this film is in some ways and the fact that barbara's father Kevin, he loves Mrs. Coleman and like he instantly is very much into what she has to say but it's a complete act and that it just shows how that these right-wing people are fooled so easily that, that they can meet a person in seconds and I guess it does feed into like people like Trump who a lot of the values that Trump puts out into the world aren't even things he believes in, it's kind of an act to get support. And the fact that Trump was once a Democrat, then he was independent, and then became Republican—it's all put on to gain support from these right wingers. So it's—it's it's all a complete. It's a complete
2: farce. The line where he's talking about anti-abortion, and she's like, "No, like let's kill, let's kill the mothers." Um, <laughs> Let it go down with the shit. <laughs> <laughs> let's kill down with the shit. <laughs> which is, um, which I don't know. There's a few ways that I think about that, and it's like. Um, at one point, like in one hand, it's like holding up the mirror and being like, "This is what you're saying. This is what yeah. you like. This is the same thing that you're saying." And when his own views get fed back to him, and it, like it makes it, it's when it's when someone of a further right or further left than you are comes out with an opinion, and you go, "Oh, you're making us look bad." Like, um. So I think some, when, that line, one part of me makes me think that's what she's trying to do. And then on the other line, I'm also like, I know homosexual men who are like, kill the breeders. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> what, one of the things with that, that line specifically stuck out to me as well because I think that the, when we talk about that type of language these days, it's usually referred to as like emboldening views that are already wrong. And I think that like, and this time that wasn't really a conversation that was happening. Um, whereas like, We've like I, I know that for, I've definitely done it where you like you you're playing a character with someone that you're having a discussion with and they say something that's very far in one political direction and you're like you you say this you say yeah let's kill the mothers as well and they agree with you and they're like oh my god you see it the same way I do you've then like they they feel empowered to take that elsewhere because one person's agreed with them so they just need to find all the people that agree with them and I think that like. It's interesting to see Armand's reaction to her doing that because she's happy, like, the, the, the queer family's all under the same illusion of like, we're pretending to be people just to get through tonight. And the smart thing to do is what Albert's doing. You just like play into whatever they believe, go even further and be like, oh yeah, we're the exact mm-hmm. same as you were. Armand is kind of like, I've agreed to play what you've told me to play, but I'm not going to let you embolden these people. I not that embolden was being talked about back then, but it's that thing of like, I'm not gonna have discussion about homosexuals with these two centres because I'll have to say things that I don't agree with despite lying to them in the first place. So I think mm. there's a juxtaposition there. And I think that the wa- the way that Albert is behaving is the kind of behavior that we it is really dissected today, like in 2020. Um, but obviously it's a different time, completely different conversation. And it's fiction,
0: it's not real. But I guess it does play into things that are real ideas. And the line yeah, that I wrote down definitely. that the centre says is that Mrs. Coleman is a passionate woman who follows her heart. <laughs> <laughs> and that is like, it's, that's the thing, like it's pretty much what you're saying, that it's people can kind of just say whatever they want, even if it's based in no real reality or science or logic, it's just how they feel.
2: And it can be as extreme
0: as they want. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, Donald Trump said to... Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. I've been saying Jes We've been calling her Jeslaine Maxwell.
1: Ghislaine. Oh.
0: Ghislaine. <laughs> um, Maxwell um, is a passionate woman who follows her heart. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: you know, that's, a, that's, that's getting that's cut. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's the kind of... Like, that's the kind of narrative that Trump... Will, like, because he wants. um he won't con- openly condemn people that will do things like that. So, but right, uh, these these people that are he should be coming out and being like, no, Putin's wrong, no, this person should be doing this, but he'll he'll frame it in in that kind of language. Or,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, not to uh, very quickly. You know how that whole Charlottesville the alt-right march that happened for like white lives? I can't remember. That was a few years ago now. The fact that like Trump didn't say they were bad people. It's, this is kind of what like by not arguing with them and just you know allowing them to continue saying the things that they're saying is what Albert's doing here. Where she he's like, oh, I don't like abortion. She's like, kill the mother with the baby. It allows him to keep thinking that she you know he might be like you're thinking too far, but at least you're on the same side as I am. And I think that I I would be in a position that Robin Williams that Armand is in where it's like there's playing along and then there's like emboldening and egging you on yeah yeah Mm yeah yeah yeah
0: marry that no it's interesting definitely okay we'll move on though Uh, the of course have the the dinner that has been cooked by agador spartacus with their erotic greek bowls Um, <laughs> playing
1: Leapfrog, didn't you
0: know? <laughs> playing Leapfrog. <laughs> I, I do love uh, Armand running into the kitchen to grab this chowder to pour it in the bowls before they get their glasses. I also enjoy <laughs> Mrs Coleman's wig moving around throughout the evening. that it will slip back a little bit then slip forward.
2: I don't know what those old wigs were called because I feel like they weren't lace fronts but they also weren't hard fronts but they do just have like the hair. <laughs> it's a a
0: rooted a rooted wig that's like an old school Uh style where they like brush the hair down a little bit and create like an actual hairline yeah it was i mean pretty unclockable i will say
1: i mean that's strong words but it looked good
0: (laughs) the other the other line that i wrote down regarding uh the senator's feelings of mrs coleman is they don't make women like that anymore Which I thought was very interesting, and I think again it goes back to the whole idea of the the types of people and the types of society that that conservative Americans dream about is a fantasy. It's not a real thing. It's that Albert has created this version of a mother or or a woman that would appeal to those types of conservatives, and Mm -hmm. it's not like a real. It's not a thing that really exists anymore. And it's funny how that the center is almost more into her than his own wife because even though she herself is like a, is married to a conservative she's not even quite up to that level of what he aspires and i think it's also interesting that later on when the when the reveal happens and it's revealed to them that albert is a man and that um, he's not mrs coleman albert admits that he he did mean some of what he said, and he does. I think it's kind of assumed that he, even though he is this like queer, he still cares about family and morality. And I think that often, again, like back to the whole like the two sides of politics, that I think conservatives often assume that people who are queer or homosexual they can't, in any they, that they're so the opposite of family values or that they're the so that they're like completely opposite of morality. And I guess that this film shows that. The queers are more of a family and the queers are actually more moral. So I think that's the the whole kind of meaning of that situation.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, right now, especially right now, everything in uh, politics seems to be so binary. Um, Even something like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement was then turned into like this left versus right moment. Mm. And it's like, you know, um, and... but when it comes down, just like what you said, when it comes down to the things that people actually think they're fighting for when they're saying, we want family values, we want, um, like, an all-game marriage, we want to protect our women by, like, stopping trans people getting into toilets and all this. It's like, well, do you know, if you actually, if you all sat down, I don't, I don't even know if sitting down would help, but if everyone took a step back and said, what is it we actually want and realised that everyone kind of, everyone kind of pretty much wants the same thing. Everyone kind of wants world peace and to be accepted and um, to not... To
0: have, like, freedoms infring- in some way, yeah.
2: Yeah, to not be infringed upon or, or oppressed. Um, and it's just... it's to, For most people, it's very difficult to look outside of yourself and look outside of your bubble and go, okay, am I contributing or am I, like, taking away? And... I've gone off on a complete tangent, but um I think that uh, yeah, that that conversation kind of speaks to that, and like they're a lot more similar, even though like Armand sees their house and everything as being radical, and I guess it is in some extent. Like you know, his Versace shirts and like his moustache, mm. which is you know like gay code for butt muncher. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's aesthetically radical, but when it comes down to it, what they care most about is their like, business and their family. Mm-hmm. And that's the most Republican thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So,
1: like, I, like, very much that, where it's... To speak to what you said there, I agree and disagree, only because I think that, like, these people, Republicans, they have a head... Not a head agenda, but, like, at the end of the day, they just do not like certain types of people because it doesn't agree with their faith and they make a political argument out of it rather than just saying, I just don't get it. Like yes. they, they say, oh, but gay marriage has, affects my straight marriage in some way, which we all know it doesn't. But mm. it's what they're actually saying is, I just don't want gay people to have certain rights. Um, I don't know, It's this film doesn't really, address it as much as like we, we're they don't really change their mind too much by the end on, like the way that they feel about certain things but you know they're looking for an escape
2: i get well i mean i guess the fact that the wedding takes place at the end shows that there's been some sort of resolve
1: well um, yeah because the,
0: the wedding is interfaith it's um christian and it's jewish so i think there's a compromise there and I think that. Yeah, but then Val
1: fucks off, and I'm like, thank God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so the journalists that are pursuing the Keeleys are kind of outside the bar. They've been researching the birdcage, and they find this note that has been left by Armand on the door, informing Catherine not to come upstairs. And then when she arrives, she unknowingly reveals all of the lies and deceptions leading Val to confess to the scheme and identifying Albert as his true parents. What do you guys think of this? I mean, do you think, like, in this moment Val has redeemed himself? Do you think, like, cause it was like he, he calls Albert his true mother and he calls the pair his parents.
2: I mean, like, from an outsider perspective it's always easy to be like, no, like, that was toxic, blah blah blah, but it's kind of, like, it kind of feeds into, like, family love and mother's love is um unconditional. Uh, whether that's, you know, something that's is true, but it's definitely um a, a narrative uh, device and trope um that we're seeing within this family. Um I, I don't know. I feel like within that setup he does have such two loving parents and like I don't even think they need to forgive him. I think within that they are it's kind of like um it's just it's, it's expected like it, it's like it like it goes without saying sort of thing
1: uh, 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 the thing is for me like uh, there's two sides because it's that thing of would val have ever you know would val have ever told them this without having been forced into the corner, probably not, but it's that thing of like. I and and the way that this is acted from Val, you do get a sense of like I'm kind of glad that it all fell through because you can actually see the real family that has brought up the man that I am. So that's I hope at least I think it's acted to to kind of say that. I think it's acted to say, you know, we lied to you, but we had the best intentions. But actually, it's better that you know the real me whether that's just me being wishful thinking with this outcome because at the end of the day the villain is still Val but um it's that thing of like it he it could have been a lot worse because he could have stood back and went I'll let them explain but he takes the lead and says hey here's the chat so I appreciate that at least from him. My yeah. my
0: question is what would have happened in a parallel world it all had gone to plan and that that Catherine had never arrived, and that they would put on this facade of being the straight couple. What would have happened at future family gatherings? At the wedding, would would uh, would, uh, would Albert would have Albert been at the wedding in the mother of the mother of the groom drag? What what would happen? Like, would would they have had to maintain this facade for the rest of their children's lives? I know.
2: I think. I feel. I, th- I guess the idea is that they go back to Greece because they are Mr. and Mrs. Coldman of Greece and South Beach, which is like every burlesque performer now after they got their Mayan ancestry DNA results. Um, <laughs> but. Um,
1: it's, uh-huh, you, you, you expect it's... that you expect that Val, as soon as they've met them, they're like, "Oh, I've fallen out with my parents, so we never need to see them again." Yeah, you know I mean,
2: jeez, uh-huh. I don't think there's there's not a yeah there's not, it's not a rational plan that was ever
1: yeah. Had the, the, any the, longevity. It also plays into the irrational part where the Keely's are looking for a big publicized wedding to go on the cover of Vanity Fair. Uh, Let me tell you, Albert's face in Mother (laughs) of the Bride is not Vanity Fair World.
0: No, ma'am. Now, that I would love to
2: see. I want to see that. (laughs) Oh, imagine. The scandal would have been so much worse.
1: Exactly. Because then you can't deny it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I do enjoy, though.
0: (laughs) I do enjoy, though, the the um, exchange where Kevin doesn't realize or the senator the doesn't realize what what, what the, the truth is and they have to explain this is a man, they're gay. I, I, it's, it kind of goes back to the whole thing what you're saying earlier of like it's so far removed from anything they've ever thought about or experienced or even come into any kind of proximity to that they just, I think these people think that gays don't exist that they're just these like underground trolls that we don't have to look think about or look at so
1: Albert could have said, I've got alopecia, I'm wearing this wig until my hair grows back. And the senator would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I get it.
0: But I did love also, as they're about to leave, the senator says, I hope this doesn't influence your vote.
1: <laughs> I also love the senator's wife being like, I need to be someone's favourite. Yeah.
2: Oh. I see that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um.
0: So at this point, I guess the film could almost end here, but the final uh, sort of five minutes, I think is the real like cherry on top of the cake. Um, When attempting to leave, the the Keeleys are ambushed by the paparazzi who are camped outside to take his picture. And Albert hatches this plan for them to escape without being recognized. And then we go back into the nightclub downstairs and all of the Queens are doing their closing number to We Are Family once again and it's revealed that the the family are now dressed in drag and they've used they'll they'll, they'll kind of they'll exit with the cl- the queens out of the the nightclub and not be spotted by the by the press it's it's my it's my favorite scene in the film and i think it's very poignant keely looks like he looks terrified he looks really scared to be in drag but then you kind of see him as he's walking away like humming under his breath we are family and i think i guess that is suggesting that he's realizing that queers Aren't as scary and foreign as he'd presumed, and that maybe he's in in his own way become slightly more accepting of their lives.
2: Yeah, and you, he says something as well. He says, "Oh, I can't be the only girl not dancing." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's he's feeling his like like reserved fantasy.
1: If Kalista Flockhart didn't look 30 before, the Liza Minnelli <laughs> wig that she puts on makes her look 150.
0: She was giving a little bit of Moira Rose, if any of you guys have seen <laughs> shit screen. Oh, it <laughs> Oh, I thought, I,
2: I thought the mum looks more like Moira Rose.
0: Yeah, that's like, what I mean, that's... Hat.
1: Was Oh, oh that's, that's who I
0: meant. Sorry, that's who I meant. I meant, yeah, I meant yeah, the mum. No, I mean, yeah.
1: the daughter looked horrendous. And uh, <laughs> the Kevins, Kevin, Kevin Keeley, fully doorless and Corey like mirror up exact same person um, I, I, I love that like you know Kevin oh, Kevin Keeley's like you know this is weird this is wrong everything he says in drag is fantastically funny I don't yeah. want to be like a girl dancing alone uh, there's a few other ones that I can't remember now but it's weird that like he's not like I'm gonna get caught there's nothing to do with him he's just having fun as he's escaping <laughs> with well, Moira think...
2: Rose <laughs> My... Well, that's the thing. Moira has to be if she's called her Moira. That she has to be like pulled away because they're like, right, come on. I, like, she's at the bar, like, slamming butts with someone. Um, <laughs> what well, What was I gonna say? Uh-huh. I think I read somewhere that <laughs> um, I don't know if it was uh, if it was like a production um, instruction or whether it was just an observation made. But they said that Jean Hackman, uh, the style was meant to be. Betty White
1: on crack. (laughs) (laughs) It is very that, actually. It is very that. I see it. See, one of the things that I think is interesting about this whole segment, the last five minutes, is, and we see it from from the moment the ruse is revealed, one of the things that I appreciate about the way that it's done is that it's not anger. And I think that's because it's a comedy film. If Keely, specifically Kevin, had gotten really angry at being duped, I think you would have lost a great chunk of comedic you know, revenue. Um, I very much appreciate It's one of the things I love in drag film where there's not a lot of time wasted on but I'm a straight man. How could I ever put on drag? Mm. Um, I like that he's just like, if it's the only way that I'm going to escape, let's do it. He, mm. He's mm. not shy about just being like, I'll do whatever it takes to get out of here unseen. Yeah,
2: the anxiety that you see him feel is more about the reporters than it is being in a dress.
1: Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, and, and I think from the moment that the Roses revealed, the fact that he's not like, how dare you all have lied to me? It's that whole like, well it's not what I thought it was. I hope I still get your vote. I need to leave. Oh, okay, I can't leave. Put me in drag and I'll get out. I, I think that it lends itself well to comedic film and I appreciate it because it subverts your expectation everyone thinks that as soon as he finds out that it's two gays he's going to go ballistic and it just i think it does something to humanize the keelys because none of them are disgusted really they're not angry Mm -hmm. they're not disgusted they're just like oh okay this isn't gonna work for us but thanks it's very Grinder hookup arrives at the front door, doesn't look like his picture and you go, Yes, yeah, sorry, not for me, but like thanks. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I think yeah, there's oh, like
2: your sense of charity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's there's lots of layers to this final scene. I think one thing that I kind of I believe is that they it I think it just shows that when you're when you're a person who has these kind of right-wing values. And you think that, oh, things like uh, gay nightclubs Prosperous. and drag and all these things, these are like evil things. And then they do it. And I think, I think you can see they're, they're having fun. They're enjoying themselves. And I think it's that whole thing of they are cutting things out of their lives that could be like fun. And they shouldn't judge people for doing these things because at the end of the day, like drag is fun.
1: You're denying yourself happiness by sticking yeah. to your right wing.
0: Or not even yourself, but you're like denying others just the right to have fun.
1: Just let me staple the vicar. Um No, I'm very much the same. It's, it, one of the things that I am left wondering, we don't know too much about it, right? But like, yes, he uses drag to escape the nightclub and he seems to be enjoying it. And yes, they end up getting married at the end. So clearly there's no major like, I'm never seeing you again. I'm not letting you marry him. But it's... Uh, I just wish the film had a, 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 a sprinkle more acceptingness from the Achilles. I think it, it goes 75% of the way there to saying, okay, by the end, he accepts them. But I just wish there was a, a singular line or something to be like, hey, they're not that bad. Let's, just to just to leave us with no doubt that he actually does become accepting of that way of life. And not just like, my daughter's in love with you. You and you saved her back, so it's a favor for a favor. I'll let you marry her, but after that, we're even. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can that see that, that. That, would, that would finish it for me.
2: I think I guess because the, at the wedding, there's still two people on his side, like the two old ladies that are like, oh, which one's the woman? And they're like, I just don't know. Um, which I guess it shows that he's still like he's still very much in that world he's not some new woke um liberal that's going to be a pride each year um uh, that's I guess that's the reality
0: though like that's people don't yeah. change overnight it takes it takes time and that maybe that maybe this incident has helped him open his eyes a little bit but he's never going to change entirely but
1: that, at that's, least that's the hope.
0: it's, it's a we're journey left
1: hoping that, yeah we're left hoping that this is the first step on his journey yeah Yeah. but
2: i think uh, i think that's which is more realistic but also less of a hollywood conclusion than we're used to seeing i think um and And i love a
1: hollywood conclusion
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's what he calls where he finishes on my face um and i think uh what's uh, i think that it almost becomes like like I don't want to say it's like liberal propaganda but if it was like this all like happy ending and everyone loves the gays now it would be like I think it would be almost like a disservice um, yeah I agree actually it would be misselling um the reality of the situation of a republican like family meets a drag family Like,
0: I think also it's interesting that Albert walks out not in drag and in the suit and it's kind of I think it's the fact that they're all in drag and the even the center is like dressing as like a this like kind of drag diva and then Albert is doing like a drag king thing almost because that's very much not him. And I think it all kind of goes back to the whole idea of drag is about breaking down all the facades in the world and showing that gender is just like a performance and that we just should stop stop taking things so seriously. That's the kind of like that's what it's all about. Um, and there's also that
2: drag <laughs> I don't know, it just reminded me of that random drag look that he is in at one point where he's got, like, the top hat and the black teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, what is he? I couldn't could work out. I'm like, is that Cade Bush? i like, I'll, is that some, like...
1: I'll tell you what that like is.
2: A I'll
0: tell you. That is your second number at Mother Tucker. When you do your glam, <laughs> you do your glam look, and then you go back and do a quick change, and you come out with that.
1: Tar, <laughs>
2: <Mary Poopins>, yeah, <laughs> or, or Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke is the worst drag king name ever that ever existed. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyhow, but, uh, the film yeah. the film
0: concludes with Barbara and Val married in their interfaith service, uh, with both sides of the family very clearly divided. On left and right, one very green, and boring, and one very
2: colourful. The final shot is of Val and uh, Ali McBeal, which I was like,
1: "All right, <laughs> sure." Film <laughs> oh, <laughs> Wesley about you, yes, but alright.
2: Yeah, you aren't even on the cover of my weird VHS tape.
0: Exactly. Um, so let's finish with our final thoughts. We'll kind of go around, like, analyse our feelings in the film, and then like give her like our, our score out of ten. Do
1: did you do you have a spreadsheet of the scores that we've given previous films? Or- I do not. I think I can kind I of remember though.
0: I can't remember our, our, our I've highest. Given the other ones. Our highest scoring. I gave Priscilla a nine out of ten, and I what think I the give rest. Kisella? You probably it eight. Your CJ is much harsher than me.
1: I think I'm going to give this a, a an eight or a nine. I just don't know. I, I like to know in perspective where I'm voting. Sorry, Lacey, you give your thoughts.
2: So, like, I think we, we've spoken so much and analysed it all, but the thing is, watching this film is so effortless because it is so funny, and you don't feel... It's not, like, bleak watching gay characters go through gay struggles the way that other gay films can be really bleak. Um, and it's, it's it is so funny, and that's, it's had such, like, that's why it's had such mass appeal. And um, and I think even though they use the kind of trope of like uh, man disguised as a woman thing, I think this is the only film in which it's totally fine because it's got the context, the background context of this is a drag performer Mm. and this is what they do. This is drag. This so the duping of it is less. You know, it has less kind of weird transphobic connotations. Yeah. Um. And even the reveal where, like, the son takes the wig off, uh, Albert's like, (gasps) like, touches his head because he's like, oh, my God, like, how embarrassing. Um, As opposed to, I think, in the film Disclosure, they talk about how the reveal is always, like, tearing the top open and revealing the breasts or, like, ripping the wig Mm. off. It's never just a conversation. Um, And, yeah, I think all the characters are so well-rounded. And, you know, I, I, I can... You can look at them all and feel like even though there's only one gay person on the cast you don't i don't know i don't feel embarrassed watching that film i don't feel like oh god is this what anyone thinks of me like watching this film um i don't um no i think it's pretty perfect and i think it stands up today i think there's i wouldn't even say the jokes are dated i just think that they wouldn't be written now like they maybe wouldn't be like oh black minor a prostitute or there's or the the line about like where there's sand there's juice or something <laughs> That's, it's like oh, um you know that would maybe get an edit but overall i think it's brilliant and i am going to score it 10 I'm actually wow. gonna, n-
0: now that I think about it I'm gonna be quite bold and agree and give it 10 out of 10 because I really I don't have any like major critiques of it really. I mean we even, even though we, we we love Priscilla there are a lot more elements to that that are problematic like the entire character of Cynthia who's a really like a racist portrayal of a of an Asian woman and in terms of sheer enjoyment I can watch, I mean I've, I've seen this film like a million times and I love it every single time, it's so funny. The, the, like the humor is so witty and so sharp and there's a lot of levels to the, char- to the characters there's it's political but it's also just like funny and it's it, it it really holds up today so yeah 10 out of 10.
1: i'm not i'm not too far away i'm not gonna give it 10 but i'm gonna go right next door and go 9 out of 10. Um, I, I agree with everything you've said i think that of all the films that we've discussed so far this is one of the first that is actually branding itself as a comedy whereas some of the other ones were not comedies, but people were laughing because there was drag in it anyway. And for once, I feel that this, because you know we talk about drag representation in cinema, and this not only does drag, but also the gay lifestyle and gay family and stuff. And I find that this is a comedy film, but none of the comedy is at the expense of the drag queen. It's none of the comedy comes from, look at this man trying to pretend to be a woman. Um, and that's what that's what I look for in good drag representation. I think there's deep storytelling of diverse gay characters and gay lifestyles, and um, there's yet very little that I would change, even in a modern take. That most of the script can be used, most of the characters are exactly as I'd want them to be. So nine out of ten loved it.
0: In terms of as this drag queens talking about it, I think it, I think it does respect the art form when it's not just treating it as oh. Here's a plot device that we can use and kind of make fun of, and I don't feel there's much. Like a lot of these drag films, they either make fun of drag, they make fun of women, or make fun of trans people. And I feel like it doesn't really do any of those things. I think it
2: does. Yeah. It's it's more about. Sorry, I was just gonna say, even has more respect for drag than we do. (laughs) Like, production is so much more professional
1: and like thought through. Sorry. It shows respectful drag because they have what a stage manager, and we have um, <laughs> drag walk found rotting
0: <laughs> no, I think it 's a great film, and it will I think it will probably be up there with our with our top drive films, absolutely but yes, yeah. I think we 're all done here. Thank you all for joining us in this episode of Screen Queens. Thank you so much, Lacey, for being here as well. We loved having your input and your thoughts. thank
2: you. Thank you. I I so love putting it in. (laughs) (laughs) Where
1: can the children find and follow you? And do you have anything to plug during these busy, Um, busy times?
2: They'll probably find me out in the hills making jam. I don't know. I don't have anything to plug.
1: Where can they find (laughs) you on social
2: media? I've got nothing on but the Netflix. Um, I'm on Instagram at Lacey.Rain. Um, and I'm on YouTube, if you search Lacey Rain, L-A-C-Y, and then you've got to click Do you mean Lacey Rain? And then you click, no, that one, because there's an exotic (laughs) dance. It's much more popular than I'll ever be. Um, until I get on Jeremy Springer, this won't change, but yeah. Um, oh, we filmed a short film yesterday, me and my flatmates, um, that will be going up in the next few days, that is nonsense, but, um
1: so short yes. films to come. That's the pro. short films to come. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sundance <laughs> award-winning short film.
0: Oh God. And where yeah. can we find you, CJ?
1: I'm on social media at the CJ Banks at least once a month uh, where can the children find you Mr. Rojazzle they can find me at double Ru-Jazzle,
0: R-U-J-A-Z-Z-L-E and make sure you follow our Instagram which we will maybe one day post on at Screen Queens with a KW and we will be revealing there and on our own socials when the next episode comes out check out there and of course DM us with any movie requests we're always open to taking things on and we can reveal that our next episode we will be looking at maybe a lesser known drag film it's called connie and carla and it is about femme queens who are i guess it's kind of like a version of some like a hot. they're like undercover women doing drag posing as men doing drag and our special guest will be transgender.
2: so check out that very very soon. <laughs> Very, very excited.
1: Yes, follow us on social media. We'll post when the next episode is up. And thank you for listening. I have been CJ Banks. I've
0: been Reid And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Bye.